All right, welcome to Group Thinkers, the podcast from RKD Group. I am your host, Justin McCord. With me, as always, is Ronnie Richard. And on today's episode, uh, we have, he, he said not a pioneer. I'm going to say he's a pioneer. Uh, Tony Martinetti of Nonprofit Radio. Uh, he is a pioneer in the nonprofit marketing landscape in terms of podcasting. Uh, but he's, he's more than that and has a super interesting story. Ronnie, tell us a little bit about Tony. Yeah, like you said, Tony has an incredibly interesting story. So he graduated from college and he was there um, on behalf of the Air Force. And so he joined the Air Force and he tells us a little bit about this uh, on our episode, held the launch keys to nuclear missiles. So, I mean, that's a pretty hefty responsibility I'm thinking about myself coming out of college. I don't know if I would have wanted my younger self to be in charge of that. But uh, then he, uh, after after serving, he he came back and went to law school, started a law career, didn't find you know that to be very fulfilling, and then kind of got into plan giving and working at universities, and it's really taken off from there. And he uh, they started the podcast, and he he kind of has this theme that he talks about where he learns something and then he just keeps going with it because he doesn't want to learn something new. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely that kind of running through the, the entire episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, Ronnie, I've, I've, I've known of Tony, uh, for a long time, uh, from his presence and association with, uh, the nonprofit technology network, and uh, and physical presence on site conducting interviews and live streaming from the NTC conference. And uh, and so it's interesting to to unpack his story for me and and learn his path uh, into this nonprofit radio space. Um, Some things to to listen for. One is the element of curiosity. And uh, and so how that plays into it. Second, is as you said, the long game. Um, it, you know, starting your career, starting your nonprofit career in plan giving consulting is not a, a traditional path, let's say, and uh, it's definitely learning the long game really quick. But so is starting a, a podcast in 2010 and continuing to do it 650 episodes later. That's the long game. And uh, and then the last thing that stood out to me is the role that inspiration plays. Uh, and there's kind of this interesting cycle of, you know, curiosity in the long game into inspiration that I find to be, um, moving as a part of Tony's, his work. Yeah. Same. I mean, he talks about the, the people who have inspired him, the donors who inspire him all have kind of found contentment in their life. And so, like you said, it's this cycle of curiosity and seeking something he's seeking contentment. Um, and it's, it's really fascinating to kind of hear that thread run through everything. So, um, so everyone, yeah, here's, here's our episode with Tony Martinetti. Enjoy. Ronnie, have you ever been intimidated by one of our guests? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, Tony, we're not, we're not intimidated. We're not. I intimidated. hope not. not. I hope not. Let's go with impressed. Yeah, for sure, impressed. But we're, Different here's the word. thing: like we've been at this thing for four years. Uh, you're one of the forerunners in 
audio format for nonprofit marketing discussions? I was a early adopter or uh, probably not a pioneer. I was an early adopter of podcasting. Absolutely. We, I started podcasting in uh, July of 2010. That's incredible. How many, how many <laughs> guests have you had on? Oh, thousands. Uh, wow. We're coming up on show number 650 in July because every, you know, I do 50 a year times 13 years is 650 shows and That's thousands of guests. Man. That's Thank so you. cool. Thank you. It's, it's great That's... fun. It, it's, it's all for the benefit of small and mid-sized nonprofits. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Martinetti's nonprofit radio, you can find it on uh, all sorts of different platforms. And, um, you know, I think it, it, it served even as an inspiration early on uh, in, in, you know, 2018 when we were starting to plan this thing in 2019 and getting it off the ground. And, and, and even remembering having, uh, having been to, in 10 uh, to NTC and uh, you know, in the mid 2010s and seeing you recording live. Um, so you are amongst those that have paid attention along the way, just so that you know. I'm glad, I'm, I'm happy to inspire other valuable nonprofit podcasts. Absolutely. Awesome. And my secret is, you know, I, I latch on to something and then I don't let go. Like that's why, I, that's just, I, I I, I figure out how to do something and then I, I don't want to stop doing it because it's going to require me to learn something new to replace it. I don't want to do that. So yeah. podcasting yeah. 13 years, you mentioned N10 and the nonprofit technology conference, NTC. They're great folks there. I, I still go to their conferences. I was just at the one in Denver eight weeks ago uh, and I was doing them. Yes. Back in 2016 or so, uh, 15 yeah. or something like that was my first one. Uh, you know, I learned something and then uh, I, I don't want to learn something new, so I just stay with it. <laughs> That's all right. So, so today we're going to spend some time, uh, you know, really, you know, as I said beforehand, unpacking, uh, you know, your journey and uh, and some of the things that you have held on to uh, along the way, and uh, and talk about some of the people that have shaped you, um, etc. And so. Uh, Honestly, man, where I want to start, Tony, is uh, I want to start before the the radio program. Um, I want to start before the uh, the plain giving work, uh, and I want to start with the the codes to the nuclear missiles. So, like, if you can just draw a line from uh, from that how you ended up with seg codes and uh and then you know take us from there into uh into your plane giving career from the air force into plane giving i had an rotc scholarship to carnegie mellon university so that's what got me into the air force the air force paid for my college degree so i owed them time in return i, I spent an extra year beyond the four uh, required. I spent five years in the Air Force, and I was just, I was assigned by the United States Air Force to operate Minuteman missile weapon nuclear missiles uh, under the grounds of uh, Warrensburg, Missouri. Uh, that's where I was stationed, Whiteman Air Force Base, Warrensburg, Missouri. And you start as a deputy missile combat crew commander, and you work your way up to missile combat crew commander without being the deputy, being the commander. Um, and yeah, so you have the keys to 10 nuclear missiles 
Um, and off duty, the keys, uh, you know, started my Toyota. So they, they worked, uh, they did double duty. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that was my, that was my assigned job. I, don't know, I, had, a, I had a degree in economics and information systems from Carnegie Mellon, but I got assigned to Minuteman nuclear missiles. And that's what I did. That's what I did for five years in, in, uh, Missouri. Uh, then I went to law school, loved law school. I wish law school was four years instead of only three. I love the study of law. Uh, practice of law did not suit me at all. I only lasted two years. I was miserable. Uh, I, so I'm still I'm still very glad I went to law school. I still encourage people to go to law school. Law is a wonderful career, and there's a lot you can do with a law degree, thankfully, besides practicing law, because I needed an alternative. Practicing law just didn't suit me. I found it to be a very unpleasant way to make a lot of money. So two years and I re-engineered myself into something that uh, where I thought my degree would be helpful. And it was planned giving fundraising. And there's a how, there's an element. How did that line connect? Like how how did you get from practicing law to to a a niche area within the niche area, plan giving within like the nonprofit marketing fundraising space? Well, desperation breeds creativity. I needed something to make money, and I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't stand uh, practicing law much longer. Um, also, I, I I had I I had a career consulting business. Uh, today, you'd call me a career coach, but from 1994 to 1997, roughly. We didn't have career coaches, so I just called myself a career consultant, uh, and I was helping other lawyers who were miserable practicing law to find a happier life using their skills. And so I, that business did mediocre. Uh, I, I, I didn't see the value of networking, and I just paid for a lot of advertising and sat back and waited for the phone to ring. So a lot of, a lot of lessons learned in that business uh, applied in my current business. Thankfully, um, I can learn. See, once I learn something, then I don't want to let it go. That's why. Yeah, you don't want to let it go. This is the theme. 26 years in planned giving, 13 years podcasting, uh, N10 conferences times t- coming up on nine or 10 years. I can't yeah. I can't let things go. So it's here's it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it back to the planned giving thing, though. It's that you like to play the long game, right? Like that's that's it is that you're, you like playing the long game with it. Uh, because, you know, a big part of playing giving is the art of the long game of understanding that and the nuances of it. So I think that you just excel at the long game. You're very gracious. Uh, I wish I had I wish I could say that I was thinking of that at the time. I was just I, I was not. I was looking for something where I could apply my legal skills, uh, take some of my own career consulting advice. So I looked in fundraising and then specifically planned giving because. There is a legal side to it, but but I hasten to add that you do not have to be a lawyer to be successful in planned giving. You don't have to have a lawyer on your board or anywhere near your small or mid-sized nonprofit to be enormously successful in planned giving. Uh, that's a very, very important takeaway. It's just that's what led me to planned giving was the legal side of it. But you don't need to have any expertise or hire it, uh, legal expertise to be successful in planned giving. Yeah. So you worked in plan giving at universities, right? It was it was Iona and St. John's, if I remember correctly. And 
you kind of, I guess you could say kind of cut your teeth learning plan giving, right? And then you started your own consulting business, helping nonprofits with plan giving. How did that kind of come about? And like, kind of what did you, what did you learn during your time at the universities? Uh, you all did your research. Thank you very much, Ronnie. Uh, yeah, I I learned uh, how to launch planned giving programs. Uh, you're absolutely right. I started at Iona College, which is now Iona University in New Rochelle, New York, Westchester County, outside New York City. Uh, and I launched the planned giving program there. They had they had nothing, and I got it started. And then I moved after about a year and a half, roughly year year and a half, somewhere in there. I moved to St. John's University in Queens, Queens County, New York, and launched the planned giving program there. And I stayed there for uh, five years, building that, uh, launching it and, and building that program. So I learned how to launch planned giving programs. I know how to start the promotion, how to motivate the board, that's important, uh, around planned giving, uh, how to train the other fundraisers, especially at St. John's. That was a that was a university at the time, it was a much bigger development shop. So I would train my fellow gift officers in opening conversations with their prospects and their donors about the potential of planned gifts. And then we would work together if there was interest. So I learned how to, I learned how to launch. And that's what I've been doing since uh, as a consultant. I started consulting in 2003. When I left St. John's University, so this is my 20th year in consulting, and my 26th year in in planned giving overall. Can't so let as go. You were alert. The guy, the guy just can't let go. Well, you learned something, and then you kept doing it, like you said. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yes. <laughs> I'm curious though, like who did you learn it from? Because you know, you said it's you kind of jumped into this. You didn't know a lot about planned giving. Were, were there some some folks that that kind of taught you and, and explained to you how it works more? Or, uh, did you kind of like learn on the way? Uh, how did that come about? A lot of the value of a legal education is understanding how to research and and do and learn something new. So, you know, you, uh, uh, someone who practices tax attorney, uh, tax law, you know, may have a contracts issue. So you learn how to research contracts law in your in your state. So some of it was uh, a good amount was self-taught. I mean, I read books. Uh, I, one of the books I, is still up on my shelf. Um, and others, I, I did learn from some people who were teaching planned giving uh, courses. One of them was, uh, he's no longer living. It was, a, a, I think, a pioneer in planned giving, uh, Robert Sharp Sr. Um, and he wrote a book called Planned Giving Simplified. He read that he wrote that book later, uh, but I, that book is also on my shelf. It's not one that I learned from, but I certainly uh, kept it after I did read it. Uh, Robert Sharp, so he was a big influence. Um, and uh, there's a a little known man. Uh, he's not a little man. He's a he's a giant uh, knowledge wise, but not not well known outside tight planned giving circles. And his name is uh, John Jonathan Tidd. Uh, he's an attorney, and I learned a lot from Jonathan Tidd as well. What did they teach you that wasn't in the books or wasn't something that you kind of self-taught from learning the law and the legal side of it, the research? From Robert Sharp, I learned the relationship side. That was not in this big 
probably this is planned giving. Yeah, that's probably a 500 page book. Uh, the, you know, they touched on the relationships. It was mostly a technical book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's written for lawyers, but it helps that I am a lawyer and I was a lawyer when I was reading that book in my early years in planned giving. Um, so from Robert Sharp, the relationship side, you know, it's all about people. It's all about listening to people, uh, being curious, being curious about people. You know, if you have a curiosity about anything, you'll explore it. And if, and I have a curiosity about people and I like exploring their, their, their histories, their stories, their past, you know, however, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so from him, I learned that relationship, the value of, of relationships and, uh, you know, through the years, you know, I've, I've relationships with, with donors, of course, uh, with coworkers, former coworkers, uh, and I'm the relationship guy, you know, I just, I'm the guy who still gets our high school class together, you know, going back to, if I could find our elementary school, I'd probably go back there because I had a crush on that, that little, that little girl named Annie, uh, in the, in fourth grade at Rutherford, New Jersey. If I could find her, you know, I would probably get in touch with her too. Uh, but high school is the best I can do. So yeah, so you know, high school, college, law school, Air Force. I'm I'm the Air Force reunion organizing guy. Uh, my fraternity in college. Yeah, I put that reunion together every year. Uh, it's just so relationships come naturally to me, and uh, you could call it a curiosity of people. But a lot of a lot of for a lot of uh, for a lot of folks, it's just. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm the gum on your shoe. I, I just, I won't go away until you tell me stop organizing these damn reunions. <laughs> well, and and I I think the curiosity is is such an interesting note, Tony, because uh, you know the so you have a very a growing and successful plan giving practice that started you know around 2003, and then seven years later, uh, that curiosity in part influenced by stand-up comedy, uh, leads you to the launch of nonprofit radio. So talk to us about um, how that came about, the idea and getting it off the ground. And uh, and then, you know, connecting the dots back to the, the curiosity side. I got to tell you guys, this is so much fun. I, I never... Nobody ever talks to me about this. Uh, not <laughs> that I'm here for, man. No, no. You're always no, asking the questions, right? Yeah. No, I, I am. Well, on my sh- on my podcast, certainly, yeah. Uh, but no, I just I appreciate your uh, your interest in my in my background. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You're so. Hard. What was the question? No, I remember, I remember the question. Um, so a few things go into the the, the podcast. Um, you know. Uh, yes, I have, uh, I've done stand-up comedy. I've taken stand-up comedy classes, but I've also performed stand-up comedy. Uh, I've performed, taken classes and performed improvisation, group improv. Um, you know, I, so these are all the factors that go into the, the, the creation of the podcast. Um, I look at, I, you know, when I see a, a microphone standing alone, I don't care if it's a floor stand or on a table to me, an empty mic looks like a lonely friend. I have to go and talk to it. I, I just, I'm, I'm drawn to empty mics. So that helps. Um, curiosity about people, of course, as I talked about. Uh, love of planned giving, but the podcast goes way beyond planned giving. But love of, so love of generally supporting small and mid-sized nonprofits. My, my practice is planned giving. I teach an online course, planned giving accelerator. 
you know, my company is Martinetti Planned Giving Advisors. I'm all in on planned giving. But beyond that, you know, nonprofits struggle with a lot more than just planned giving, a lot more than just fundraising. And so I wanted to help small and mid-sized nonprofits with everything that they struggle with. So my curiosity of people leads me to pick their brains, who are people who are experts in all the other areas that I'm not. And that's that's broad. Uh, I'm I'm narrow and deep in planned giving. But if you want to go beyond that, you want to talk about monthly sustainer giving, I need an expert. Uh, you want to talk about board relationships, legal, technology, social media, marketing, communications, branding, volunteer management, your board relationship, all those and and lot lot more you know lots more topics. I, I need to pick the brains of experts. So the, put all those things together. With the now, launch of the radio, I mean, like, yeah, it all this this is a big stew that kind of comes together. Right, and then podcasting was emerging, and you know, I. I bought a mic and it was lonely, so I started talking to it with other people. Uh, podcasting was emerging as a as a method, and uh, you know, going back to my high school days, I was I, I needed to talk to microphones. Um, so you put all that together, and I thought, well, you know, what the hell? I don't I don't know podcasting, but uh, I, I've learned other things. I can learn that too. So I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I didn't. The conventional wisdom, I guess, was supposed to have six shows. Uh, lined up in advance so people see that there's a, you know, some archive, some some um, some value to the program. You know, you're not just going to be a one-off. Well, I didn't do that. I did one a week, and so I probably lost half my listeners. You know, whatever. I lost a lot of listeners because I didn't have six. Week one, I had one. Week two, I had two, et cetera. Uh, now, but now we're in week 650, and uh, I've got 650 shows. So uh, I, I guess I, I figured it out along the way. Yeah, yeah. Curious some of the the lessons that you've learned through the 650 shows. Just, you know, in terms of obviously you're always learning uh through the guests that you bring on and the various areas of the nonprofit space that that you tackle. But specifically about the production of uh the creation of uh of a podcast and uh in and especially one that that has grown to the extent and the reach that yours has. Who were some of the people that you looked at? Uh, what were some of the lessons that you've drawn from that experience over the last 13 years? Lesson number one is probably consistency. You know, just I do I do a show. I'm committed to doing a show every single week, 50 a year. I take two weeks off around the holidays. Um, that helps me. That, that that way I'm not putting it off. Uh, you know, it's a busy week. Uh, you know, it ends up being a busy month. Well, now it's been a busy eight month, uh, eight weeks, and now uh, now I have to apologize in my in my next show for being away for two months. You know, meanwhile people people drop off. So consistency helps me. Just you know, I'm just I'm I'm committed to it once a week. I, I it has to be done. Um, it also helps me attract sponsors. I've been very lucky. That uh, I've had lots of corporate sponsors through the years, helped offset the expenses of uh, going to NTC, that nonprofit technology conference that you asked about, Justin. Um, lots of sponsors, corporate sponsors through the years. And they like consistency. You know, they they want to know that, you know, if you want to attract sponsors to your, your podcast, I think consistency and also longevity are valuable because a, a sponsor isn't going to want something that 
they're not going to know the production schedule of, right? They don't even know, well, in six months, how many episodes are we going to get? Well, you know, you know, you'll probably get around eight or 10, but, you know, we're not sure. Uh, that's no good, you know. So uh, six months, you know, you're going to get 25 episodes. Um, other, let me, I mean, other, the, let, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say in the, in the theme of curiosity that we have going here, I'm curious, 13 years of doing this and 650 episodes, there have to be some really fun stories or really memorable guests that you've had on. Can you think of like a story that you could share? You know, it could be anonymous if you don't want to name the person or whatever, but um, uh, yeah. What do you, what do you have in, in terms of fun stories from doing this? The time that uh, Beth Cantor said F- uh, on my show twice, <laughs> twice, uh, she was talking about uh, a nonprofit. I, I think it's called Sharks. I think. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but um, she said it twice and, uh, you know, I, I kept it. You know, she was embarrassed, but then she said it again. So she must, she must not she doubled down. So she must not have been too embarrassed. Uh, that was years ago. That was at a, I think that was at a conference. I'm pretty sure I was talking to her at one of the nonprofit technology conferences uh, years ago, years ago. So that's, you know, that lighthearted moment. Uh, you can go to TonyMartinetti.com. You could search Beth's name and all her appearances would come up and uh, I, I didn't flag it as this is the show where Beth Cantor says, F-ed. you're going to have to listen to her. You're going to have to listen to several because she's been on a bunch of times. But uh, um, yeah, there was the time that uh, we were at a, a, a different conference. I don't think this was a nonprofit technology conference. There, through the years, I had explored other conferences, but I just end up sticking with nonprofit technology conference because they, they, they're the ones who see the value of working with me uh, the most. But I think I think this was a different conference. Uh, the woman this woman was just having a bad day, and uh, she uh, she walked off. You know, I was just I was just asking her normal questions about her area of expertise, which would have been what her seminar topic was about at this conference. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I felt terrible, but I, I I wasn't putting upon her any any more than any other guest. Just she was having a bad day, and she's after I don't know five or seven minutes, she just walked off. She couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Just no con. Just uh, walk. Just straight just up. Just dropped the mic her, and walk. Took her, took her headset off. Got up out of the chair and said, "I, I can't do this." Hmm. Um, so, and I felt bad for her. Uh, you know, I, I, at first I was flustered, and then I just felt bad. Um, so that was, you know, that's unusual. Um, uh, you know, I used to. Do that's the where that. Uh, that's where those improv skills come in, though. Yeah, I don't know. I was <laughs> well. These these were recordings. These were all recordings. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I just didn't use the recording. I'm certainly you just failed gonna, on that one. Wasn't yeah. gonna embarrass them. Yeah, that was just a, a, a that just that just never got released. Um, I used to do the show in a studio in New York City. The first the first several years, so uh, 2010 to probably 2017 or so, 18 even even after I left New York City and I moved to North Carolina. I kept using the studio. We would connect on, uh, I think we, I think he used Facebook Live to connect us. So for many years, I had a studio connection and, and the show was live uh, every Friday. So I liked, I liked having a live audience, um, small, you know, 15 people listening live or something. The vast majority was always the, 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 uh, the podcast. But um, so once a studio guest came in uh, huffing and puffing, he was a little, he was overweight. Uh, Subway was running late. 
you had to walk up a bunch of stairs to get to our studio. He was running down the hall. He was running down the streets, and then he ran up the stairs. And uh, he was—he uh, needed a few minutes to get the get the flush out of his face. I had a drink of water. You know, I was a little concerned about my you know my Boy Scout CPR skills having to come to come to the fore. But but he was okay. He was okay. Um, and we and now we laugh about it. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna embarrass him because I don't I don't, want, I don't want to embarrass him. But he and I laugh about it. And we've laughed about it on the show since then. He's certainly been yeah. a guest, and, and uh, his heart is fine. Just a little flustered at the at the moment. A little, little, little uh, yeah, little red, red faced. Um, little red faced. You yeah. know the the thing about it is, I think you know even the longer that uh, that you do something, right? You do develop that that list of of moments, and you know they become canon. Uh, as a part of the, you know, yeah, with, sure. with, you know, with you and those guests, with you and the team. Um, and, and I know Ronnie and I can attest to the same thing, you know, a, a handful of years behind you of, of just, you just have those kind of funny moments that pop up, um, over time. And, uh, and so, but, you know, even to this day, Tony, the nonprofit radio isn't your only gig. You've got the plan giving accelerator. You continue to do plan giving courses, uh, uh, on the consulting side. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I would love for you to share both from the, the plan giving accelerator side now, uh, as you look back and the nonprofit radio side now, not necessarily the, the funny moments, but, uh, just kind of some of the seminal moments and, and especially, um, the, the folks that have left a mark on you. Uh, that you're carrying forward, you know, you mentioned um, Sharp and and others, but just curious as you think about the work that you continue to do, um, who are the people that you have um, that you have been impacted by, and what are the lessons that you are hoping to impart on those that you encounter uh, as you think about? the impact that you're making on others in your consulting work and in your podcast work? What a gracious question. Thank you, Justin. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I have two tracks to my work. Uh, I'm a planned giving consultant, fundraising consultant. And so nonprofits can hire me on a retainer basis and I help them grow or uh, launch or grow their, their planned giving. And then I also have planned giving accelerator which is an online course that I teach uh, just once a year, uh, every March through end of May. So it's just three months, March, April, May. So the next one will be in 2024. Um, and so the, the, the memorable folks come from those two different tracks. And I would say on the, mm. on the consulting side, it's, it's, it's the donors that who stay with me. You know, there's a, there's a healthcare agency that I work for in New York city and one of their donors is 99 years old. Uh, I was with her on her 99th birthday uh, last year, and I hope I'll be with her for her 100th birthday this year. Um, and she's just an inspiration. You know, she lives alone. She has her mental faculties for the most part. You know, she she's more forgetful than most of us, you know, in details, but she's 99 years old. Uh, so, but she, she's able to live alone, take care of herself. I, I find that so inspiring, you know, so moving. Uh, she's content in her life. 
She has her papers, the newspapers that she reads. She has opera recordings that she listens to. She's just she's found contentment at at, at ninety nine. Um, that as I said, inspirational, inspirational. Uh, and I'll even shout her out just her first name, Marion. First name is Marion. Um, and then on the on the plan giving accelerator side, uh, well, and on the consulting side, there are certainly other donors who inspire me too. Just they're they're older, they're in their 80s or 90s. Yeah, I, I should mention these folks. And just uh, you know, they've made a life. that, you know, obviously now they're all retired, but they've made lives that 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 they're enjoying for the most part. You know, some folks don't enjoy that. You know, some folks become infirm in their 80s, 90s, or even earlier 70s. Uh, but, but you know, most folks have made a life of contentment for themselves, and that's it really it, it moves me to just find contentment in my life even today. I don't have to wait till I turn seventy-five to be content. So I, I aspire to contentment. You know, that's why I live on the beach. The ocean is across the street. If I look that way instead of at you two, you know, I can see the ocean. Um, and it's there every day. It's very, uh, it's very reassuring. It's there every morning I wake up. Um, so a life of contentment, you know, around my consulting too, and the other work I do. And then on the plan giving accelerator side, I'd say the, the, the inspirations have been some of the alumni who have raised literally millions of dollars from what they've learned through the accelerator. There's a, a small, uh, humane society in, in, a small town in Georgia. Well, I could shout them out, I think. She, she's proud of the work. Athens, Athens Area Humane Society, Athens, Georgia. Um, uh, Cheryl McCormick is the CEO. She was the person from the Humane Society that was in my accelerator course. And she's raised over four and a, four, close to four and a half million dollars in planned gift commitments from what she learned in the accelerator. And that's, that's enormous. That's a, it's a small agency. Um, I think their annual budget is, I know their annual budget is under a million dollars. I think it's like a half or three quarters of a million dollars, their annual budget. They've got over four, close to four and a half million dollars in commitments. That's incredible. Uh, so, and that, now that's an outlier. She's done very, very well, but there, there's another small agency in Oregon that's raised $265,000 in commitments. Uh, there's, there's, uh, an organization outside Illinois, outside Illinois. Outside Chicago, Illinois, I think that that's also a humane society, uh, about two and a half million dollars in commitments. Uh, an arts agency in New York City, $65,000 in commitments. And then plus a lifetime gift. Somebody, somebody, they were talking about a planned gift and someone committed to a lifetime, made a lifetime gift while they were talking about the planned gift commitment that the person also made. So, you know, these these kinds of outcomes, uh, five new board gifts at a Another organization, there was a child development agency that happened to also be in Georgia. Uh, five new board gifts from from what we learned, uh, what she learned in uh, Planned Giving Accelerator. So those those alumni experiences move me on the on the accelerator side. That's incredible, man. I mean, like, uh, uh, and I think, you know, Tony, one of the things that Ronnie and I love about these conversations is that as we... As we explore someone's journey and path, there's always this thing that just kind of it just loops back, and uh, and you know something that that I appreciate that that we're hearing from you is the loop of curiosity 
into um, coaching, into inspiration. And that there's a cycle that uh, that happens there in your work and how you've put your life towards uh, the nonprofit space, whether or not that's on the plain giving side or even through the conversations that you have on the radio side. And um, that's worth celebrating, worth noting. So we, we really do appreciate uh, what you do and the, uh, the part of the public square uh, that you occupy in you know, the nonprofit land of uh, helping spur organizations on and, and tell great stories for sure. Thank you. Thanks very much, Justin. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for hosting, Ronnie. Thank yeah, you. We, uh, yeah, we, we're uh, we're super thankful for for you sharing some time with us today. If, uh, if if any of our listeners want to connect with you, find out more about the uh, the plan giving work, uh, or listen to the radio program, where can they find you? You can reach me directly if you like. Use my email, Tony at TonyMartinetti.com. If you want to learn about Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, my podcast, that's at TonyMartinetti.com. If you want to learn more about Planned Giving Accelerator, it's at the uh, aptly named site, PlannedGivingAccelerator.com. Perfect. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We really, uh, it was, it wasn't nearly as intimidating as Ronnie thought it was going to be. Uh, thanks to each of you. I really, uh, I do appreciate your uh, your interest in my my background. Thanks to you, each of you. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Justin. Right group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, including how you can partner with RKD to accelerate growth for your fundraising and nonprofit marketing needs, visit rkdgroup.com. <laughs>